Welcome back to the Emergency Goalies. Uh, we're going to get right into the recap this week. A busy, relatively busy week. Pretty good for the Blackhawks. It uh, started out Thursday against the Dallas Stars. Or not Dallas Stars, that was before. Sorry, against the Minnesota Wild. Used to be the Dallas, you know. Minnesota and Dallas gets mixed up in my head. Anyway, um, this game, the Blackhawks got pretty badly outplayed, but they uh, won the game comfortably. So kind of an interesting game. Um, the uh, Blackhawks scored first, Patrick Kane. Then the Wild tied the game. Then the Blackhawks got a couple power play goals. Um, Kane had another one, and Saad had a power play goal. Saad scored another goal, and then with a 4-2 lead, Patrick Kane got an empty net goal to uh, complete the hat trick. And the Blackhawks won 5-2. Then a couple days later, they went to Colorado for their second game against the Avalanche in Colorado in about uh, 10 days. And um, the Blackhawks jumped out to a 2-0 lead. Uh, DeBrincat and Kane scored. Kane is really on fire these two games. Um, and the Blackhawks took a 2-0 lead, but that uh, top line of the Avalanche came storming back. Miko um, Rontanen scored and McKinnon scored to uh, tie the game at two. The Blackhawks were able to keep the game tied until overtime where they got a four-minute penalty on the avalanche for high-sticking. And the Blackhawks, again, another power play goal, took advantage, and uh, Patrick Kane scored the game-winning goal. So it was a 3-2 victory for the Blackhawks in overtime. And then, of course, yesterday, we're recording this on a Wednesday, the uh, Winter Classic. And as you might have guessed, the Blackhawks lost another Winter Classic. Uh, They scored first. Uh, Perlini scored. He's been playing better of late. Uh, the Bruins tied the, tied the score. Uh, their top store, scorer, Pasternak, scored to tie the game. Then the Blackhawks took another lead. Um, Dominic Cahoon tipped in a Eric Gustafson shot to give them a 2-1 lead. But again, the Bruins came back and scored on a power play. Um, Patrice Bergeron. And then in the third period, a fourth liner for the Bruins, Sean Corrali, uh, scored off a rebound to make it a 3-2 Bruins lead. And uh, the Bruins scored an empty net goal, so the Blackhawks lost 4-2. So this week it was two out of three victories, uh, four out of a possible six points. So, again, the Blackhawks are playing a little bit better. But I'll um, kick it to you, Michael, for your thoughts. Sure. Um, the Minnesota game, uh, like you said, uh, it was – not uh, the the greatest performance for the Blackhawks. It was definitely a goalie win. Um, well, I shouldn't say just a goalie win. Obviously, Patrick Kane and Brandon Saad came up big. So it was kind of a, you know, the Stars came up big uh, when they needed them. They buried their chances. And uh, Colin Delia came up with a really great game in net. And, uh, yeah, so that was a – it was a, a – I wouldn't say an impressive victory, but it was a victory of of the type that the Blackhawks, um, you know, are going to need to come up with, you know, on occasion where, because, you know, we, we've talked a lot about it before. They're, they're kind of top heavy right now. They don't have a lot of scoring depth. So when they're, when their stars score, 
you know, they need to take advantage of that. And uh, they were able to do that in this game. Yeah. And also um, not to make this a Minnesota wild podcast, but uh, the problem the wild have had for a long time is they get a lot of chances, but they're not very good at finishing their chances. Yeah. Yeah. That is kind of been a running theme for them for quite some time. Uh, they, they seem to have, you know, a pretty strong roster with good depth to it, but for whatever reason, they just, they never seem to be able to get more than one or two lines going at any one particular time. It seems like, and uh, that's especially been an issue in the playoffs and stuff for them. But uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, that was kind of a, you know, a good example of that uh, last week. And then the Colorado game, uh, once again, Colin Delia came up big. This was a much better overall performance by the Blackhawks, though. That, that was a game that uh, kind of felt like they deserved to win. Um, they're, they're definitely playing better on the back end in that game. And, uh, yeah, they, they, they controlled enough of the game where, you know, that, that didn't feel like a cheap win or anything, even though Delia came up real big again in that game. And then, uh, you know, the Winter Classic, uh, they, they hung in pretty well with it. I thought, uh, up until that third period, uh, um, you know, the Blackhawks were, were leading quite a bit of the game. Uh, but that the last 10, 15 minutes of the game, the Bruins really just, um, controlled the puck. And even when the Blackhawks got behind and, you know, you'd think the Bruins would sit back a little bit, uh, the Hawks were really never able to sustain much pressure and it seemed like the puck was down in the Hawks end most of the time. Well, that was another thing we were, you know, that you really noticed in that game too, was where we talk about the depth issues and stuff. And it was the Bruins fourth line that scored the winning goal and they were just dominating yeah. the Blackhawks fourth line. Yeah. It's pretty yeah. obvious the depth difference. Yeah. The, uh, that was, and that's, Definitely not the Blackhawks' best version of their fourth line. Um, I mean, we've talked about Kruger not playing up to the level that he's played in the past. Uh, Martinson is not an answer on that line. Um, I mean, yeah, he throws a few hellacious hits every game, but he gets that opportunity because he never has the puck. And, uh, yeah, so that was definitely an issue. Um, um Cam Ward played pretty well in the game. Um, he definitely played well enough to win, uh, but uh, Tukarask uh, matched him, you know, big save for big save. And then, uh, yeah, that just that, that end domination by the Bruins in the third period, you just kind of had the feeling that eventually um, that wall would eventually crumble and they were able to sneak one past him there. Yeah. And a little interesting note to um that I, I, we did, we were talking about this before about what the crowd would be, and it was a sellout. So I, I guess I don't know if they cut the price of the tickets or what, but yeah. it was a sellout. I I definitely feel like I underestimated uh, the demand for that game. Uh, it seemed to go off without a hitch, and uh, everybody seemed to be into it. And uh, you know, obviously the crowd showed up, and you know the weather held. So. You know, maybe that was just the sort of thing because uh, I guess neither of us live, you know, directly in the Chicagoland area. Maybe there was a little more demand for that than it seemed. Um, but, 
Yeah. Or the uh, novelty of playing it at Notre Dame. Yeah. I mean, obviously Notre Dame has enough of a draw, a lot of money involved in it where, you know, even if not all of them were actually Blackhawks fans, there maybe was enough just, yeah, like you said, the novelty of playing in that stadium. And, you know, the funny thing you said the other day, like, the last episode, you know, there's a little Boston College Notre Dame thing. I'm a Boston College fan. I didn't even think of that. It's like, yeah. 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 I mean, they're both big Catholic schools and, um, you know, plus, you know, it, it does have at least a little bit of a, you know, it's got the original six and yeah, they obviously met in the finals a few years back. And so, I mean, th- there's definitely some connection there, but I, I guess I, I, I have a feeling that maybe I just underestimated the, the appeal of Notre Dame itself. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it, it was, it was a very well done event. It seemed like, and the game turned out to be pretty darn good as well. Uh, yeah, I it was one of the better won. played, better played winter classics I've actually seen. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah. I actually, you know, it was back and forth and there was big saves and big goals and big hits and, yeah, it was a uh, it was a it was a good uh, showcase game for the league. Even though you know the the two teams involved, maybe not uh, you know the guys at the top of the standings that you'd want to see. But uh, as far as the actual event, uh, it uh, you know looked like a good showcase for the league. So yeah, a success in that regard. Even though it was a loss for the Blackhawks. Well, let's get to the big news of the week. Of course, the Blackhawks did the impossible and traded Brandon Manning. I didn't think they could do it, but they did. So, yeah, I mean, kudos to Stan Bowman. I mean, obviously he deserves blame for giving him that contract to begin with, but Hey, he got rid of it and managed to save a little money on it. And not only did he save a little money on it, but he came away with a player that might actually be able to help them. So, yeah, I mean, he improved the forward depth a little bit, uh, getting Drake Kajula from Edmonton. He's a guy that uh, uh, played at Notre Dame with Nick Schmaltz and Luke Johnson. He was a undrafted free agent that uh, was kind of a, you know, a, a highly sought-after guy from the college ranks who uh, that uh, Edmonton got a hold of, and uh, he's you know, a good friend of Connor McDavid. And he's a guy that's played up and down their lineup. He's played quite a bit with McDavid and he's not a great goal scorer, um, but he's been an NHL caliber player. He is signed through next year uh, at 1.5 million each, each season this year and next year. Uh, whereas Manning was at 2.25 million. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the, you know, they saved 750 off the cap and, uh, you know, Kajula is actually a guy that they could insert into the lineup on a more frequent basis than Manning. So, yeah, <laughs> definitely a win there. Uh, they also um, uh, took on uh, a veteran defenseman, Jason Garrison. Who has already waived. Already been waived, yes, along with uh, Brandon Davidson, who uh, the Hawks had uh, picked up over the summer. He had came into camp on a... Uh, PTO and they, they signed him for the league minimum coming into this year uh, as a little bit of depth, but uh, with the emergence of Yoki Haru 
and uh, Gustafson playing well enough, and then lately the <clears throat> emergence of Carl Dahlstrom in that shutdown pairing with Murphy. Uh, the the Hawks just they they don't need them, and yeah, so. Davidson and Garrison are both going to be gone. Uh, Ruta's down in the AHL. I don't think either of those these guys will end up on there. I think one of them actually is on uh, waivers for the purpose of giving him his release. I can't remember which one. I think it was Garrison. Uh, so uh, the Blackhawks have enough young defensemen down in Rockford that they're struggling to get into the lineup to begin with. So I, I'm expecting neither of those guys to end up down there. Um, so yeah, uh, Garrison was just included cause he, uh, like Davidson had, he had like a league minimum cap hit. And, uh, so this was just to save the Oilers a little bit of money this year. So the actual cap savings for the Hawks this year is only like a hundred grand, uh, but it's next year where they get that, that little bit of relief. So yeah, but, uh, Kajula, uh, you know, he's not a big guy. He's, he's another small guy for the Hawks. Uh, but, uh, he's got, um, he's more of a goal scorer than a, uh, than a creator. He's got a decent shot. Um, so that's, you know, something I've talked about quite a bit with the Hawks. They need a few more shooters. So hopefully Kajula can maybe, uh, fill in a little bit there. Uh, so I, I would expect him to be on that third or fourth line fairly consistently, um, and perhaps even, uh, fill in up in the lineup at, at, at times, you know, we're starting to see, um, like, with that first line, uh, you know, we're at the halfway point in the season. Dominic Cahoon only has, uh, I think it's five goals. And uh, he's pretty much played on the first line for the most of the year. Now, he has played a really good two-way game. He does create some offense. Uh, he's got a decent amount of assists. And uh, um, he his record on the ice on five and five, uh, the opposition very rarely scores when he's out there. Um, but he just, he's not quite the offensive player that you want, you know, yeah, he basically uh, profiles as a third line. Yeah. Third I would, yeah. I would really like to see him and camp uh, pair up together um, as part of kind of like a shutdown line that actually has a little bit of uh, um, two way ability with it. Um, you know, I think if you get him out there, uh, with somebody like that. And then I'm not sure who at this point you'd want if they have an ideal fit to pair with them. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think that's at least a, a, a solid uh, core for a, a line like that. Um, so yeah, I could see maybe Kajula getting a chance up with Taves and Saad uh, to fill in there, or the other op- uh, option would be to uh, promote to bring it back up to the first line which would at least get him a little bit more ice time. Uh, they've been successful breaking Taves, Kane, and to bring it up on three different lines of late. And all three of them have been scoring uh, at a pretty decent rate, but that's probably not going to continue. And um, I, I don't think it's ideal to have to bring it playing, you know, three or four minutes less per game as a third liner. So, yeah, I, I, I would like to see that at some point, get him back up into the top six and Cahoon or Anisimov down. But uh, the Strom, Anisimov, Kane line's been playing pretty well. So I, I don't think they'll break that up anytime soon. Yeah, and yeah, side note too for the Oilers, I don't know 
if they think they're getting something from Manning or what, but it's like they're kind of spinning. I was watching whatever NHL network or whatever, and it's a big move for us that Shirelli, the Oilers GM, and I'm like, did you watch him play? Or Well, and not only has he been atrocious, but he's a guy who broke Connor McDavid's collarbone a few years back. And, uh, yeah, he's not a a guy that the fans in Edmonton like very much. And uh, they even had to clarify after the trade, shortly after the trade went down uh, that uh, Shirelli actually did have to come out and say, Oh yeah, we talked to Connor McDavid. There's no problem with bringing um, Brandon Manning onto this team. And it's just like the fact that you even have to clarify that for a player of, of Manning's caliber is just, I, I, I have no idea what they're thinking. Yeah. But I guess it's, the Blackhawks reward is there a yeah I mean it's 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 pretty obvious one of the reasons why Edmonton has struggled so much is they they do seem to make a lot of moves like this and they do seem to love collecting six seven defensemen um, which yeah so I just I I don't get it I just really don't get it but yeah, well, yeah. anyway I guess yeah yes uh, we'll move on to this. we were talking about. Are the World Juniors mostly over, or what point are we uh, at the World Juniors? Yeah, the uh, the round robins finishing up. Uh, I think it might be tomorrow. Uh, you know, I haven't actually looked at the schedule uh, the last uh, day or two. I, I've kind of uh, uh, I haven't watched any uh, of late. Uh, I think the U.S. is actually playing right now, um, and uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not playing that, but I I. I I watched uh, several of the games. Uh, I tried to catch, uh, you know, as many of the Blackhawks prospects as I could at least once. Um, I think I might've missed somebody, uh, but yeah, I mean, they've had some good performances. Uh, I did notice uh, Ian Mitchell had scored the, the Canadian for team Canada, their first goal today. Um, And uh, we talked last week, Barrett got off to a good start. For the U.S., uh, Mackenzie Entwistle started off well for Canada, uh, but the the guy who's had kind of probably the best tournament for the among the Hawks prospects is Philip Kurushev, who was a uh, fourth round pick of the Hawks this year. Um, he's been having a really good year uh, in the Quebec Major Junior League, and uh, uh, he's playing for. Uh, I, I believe he's of Russian heritage, but uh, he grew up in Switzerland, I guess. So uh, he's he plays for uh, the Swiss team, and uh, he had a hat trick, I believe, the first game, and I think he came up with two more goals in their second game. So, yeah, he's been a guy that uh, he's um, playing on a pretty bad team in, with his, in the Quebec League. And, but he's really been driving their their offense, and he's doing the same thing on the Swiss team, uh, where he's kind of their main focal point, and uh, he's producing. Uh, so that's a really encouraging sign out of a fourth round pick. And uh, yeah, uh, you know, between Barrett being a third round pick a couple of years ago and Kurashev being a fourth rounder this year, the the Hawks may have found a couple of uh, um, you know mid round. Uh, NHL contributors uh, to look forward to, which is something that uh, they regularly accumulated during the the cup years, and uh, it'll be a that's a big help in 
filling out that roster and improving that depth. So, yeah, that's definitely been very encouraging. And same with uh, Mackenzie Entwistle. Uh, he's he's probably not uh, going to have the same type of ceiling as uh, the other two, where those guys are probably middle six guys. Uh, Entwistle probably he, he he might be a third liner, um, but he's a, a right-handed shot. Um, he's got a pretty good release too. It's not quite as good as, uh, uh, as to it, but he, he seems to be able to shoot from multiple platforms and get it off. And I like that he's a right-handed shot and, um, he's got good size and, uh, oh, my dog is playing with his ball. Sorry. <laughs> and, uh, um, he, he also uh, has started playing center this year, which is another big thing. The Blackhawks don't really have a right-handed uh, uh, center uh, to take face-offs. And uh, so that's that's the sort of thing where he could really be, you know, a guy that even if he doesn't play center full-time, if he, even if he plays on the wing, he can still help out when they need a right-handed face-off. And uh, so, yeah, that uh, he's a guy that uh, I think, He's got NHL size already. I would not be surprised if he uh, uh, competes for the fourth line next year. He might even be a good fit with Camp and Cahoon, um, give them a little bit of size and a, a shooter on that line. Uh, I wouldn't actually mind seeing that. Um, I think that could be a good combo. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, he's uh, – just in case fans aren't aware, he is the guy that uh, the Blackhawks got from Arizona over the offseason uh, in the Marion Hosa trade. Oh, okay. Where, uh, yeah, well, we're, we, we um, you know, dumped Hosa's contract and gave up Hosterly and Henestroza. Uh, 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 but we got uh, the, the one piece that we got back was Entwistle, and he was a guy that the Blackhawks had heavily scouted and uh, had planned on selecting in the third round a couple of years ago. Um, but Arizona took him with the pick directly ahead of the Hawks. And uh, so he was a guy that the Hawks really wanted. Um, I'm trying to remember who the Blackhawks ended up selecting after MLS was off, but uh, anyway, yeah. So, I mean, you know, anybody that plays on team Canada um, in these tournaments, you got a bit of excitement about just cause you know, those, those Canada, the Canadian rosters are so difficult to make, um, you know, cause like, uh, you know, the Hawks first round pick this year, they're well, their second first round pick Nicholas Baudet, he got invited to that camp um, to the tryout, but he did not make the team. Um, whereas Entwistle and Mitchell did. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, they, they've had the, the, the Blackhawks sent uh, tied for the most prospects uh, in the league. Uh, I think there's eight guys that went to the world juniors this year for them. So that's a really good sign for the future. And I think at least a couple of them uh, could be potential contributors contributors next year so yep well i guess we'll move on to our little uh blackhawk history segment and there wasn't anything really jumped out so i think i'll move ahead in our our list of like our favorite players so this time i'm gonna i'm gonna define like a separate era i'll call it the non-playoff years so basically i'll say 1999 through 2007 before kane and tape started really showing up and stuff so Dark ages. Know, yes. Who are your favorite players from the uh, Dark Ages? Um, 
Daze would definitely be one of them. Uh, I kind of talked about that last week a little bit because uh, um, he had, you know, originally come up uh, with that 1995 team that we had talked about. But yeah, so he was a guy I liked. Uh, but I mean, I was I was a big fan of the, um, you know, at that point uh, at the end there, or I should say at the beginning of that period, you still had Chelios and uh, Keith Carney. I, was, I always liked that pairing. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, there were still a lot of fun players. I mean, obviously Amante, uh, Steve Sullivan was always fun to watch. Um, a guy I liked, uh, he didn't stick around very long in Chicago, but, uh, Michael Nylander. Um, yeah, I just, I, I loved, I, I loved his board work. Um, he was a guy that could stick handle in really confined spaces, um, and, uh, you know, just be a real creative player in that regard. Yeah. That's what I always used to say. He would kind of skate like button hooks, like, like receiver yeah, really, really tight button hooks. Yes. Yeah. He, he was really good at controlling the puck along, uh, the boards, uh, in that regard, even though he was not a big player uh, and it was, uh, quite exceptional in that time frame where the league was getting so big and you it was you know kind of the height of the clutch and grab uh, interference just hook and hold and so those smaller guys like that uh, that were a little more creative like that didn't didn't necessarily have the freedom to do that so I, I really would be interested to see Nylander play more in a you know in a league like today even though he wasn't the fleetest skater which may have hindered him a little bit in the modern game, but, uh, you know, he was a really creative passer. I liked watching him. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. That was, a, that's a few guys off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, you know, there were always, uh, there, there was always somebody I was interested in watching in those, on those teams, but you know, obviously <laughs> the number of valid NHL caliber players on those teams was, uh, you know, probably more in the realm of what we're seeing today where, you know, you're probably half the roster, you know, probably should have been there. Yeah. And like, what about you? Uh, yeah, obviously mine is, um, I love Tony Amani, of course. Uh, yeah. Cause I mean, he was just a machine back then, but a couple other guys I liked, of course, um, Jamnoff, I mentioned before, I always thought mm-hmm. he was kind of underrated, but yeah, uh, that line, that was the great, like, I, I thought that was like the best line ever. Um, it was Nylander at center and Daze and Sullivan. I thought it was just a great line. The teams were horrible, but watching them was pretty fun. Yeah. 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 There was that one year where the, the three of them really clicked. Um, I want to say Nylander was only on the team for two years. Um, but yeah, that, that 2001 team, I think it was that actually went to the playoffs um, and they got swept by the Blues. Or no, lost in five games to the Blues. Yes, they won the first game against, a, if I remember right. Yeah, um, but I think that was the one year where Amante, Sullivan, and Daze all finished above 30 goals. Yeah, everything kind of clicked that one year. Yeah, yeah. But, and, you know, that was a year where they started off, um, you know, for a few of those years, they had, a, you know, the, the, a decent first line and a decent second line, but they could never get, you know, much depth behind beyond that. Uh, but at least early in that year, um, uh, Steve Thomas had come back 
And uh, I think he was 37 or 38 or something like that at that point. He got off to a good start on the third line uh, along with, uh, was it, oh, Igor Korolev. Yeah, he also got off. He, they brought him in and he got off to a good start and the, the team got off to a good start. Yeah, and the, um, the defenseman too, they brought in a really old Phil Housley. Yes. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. So they, they, they got a little more production than they were used to getting, but by the end of the year, um, I want to say Korolev had gotten hurt and Steve Thomas, uh, you know, at, at that age had probably worn down a little bit as the season progressed and they were pretty much down to a, a two line team by the time the playoffs came around and, uh, they were just, they weren't able to hang with a, a, a real good blues team. So, yeah. Oh, I guess, um, we also forgot probably the best uh, goalie of that time period, um, Jocelyn Tebow, who was yeah. actually very good. Yeah, yeah. He ended up surprising me. Uh, he was uh, um, a, a key part of the Patrick Waugh trade. We, we, we discussed Patrick Waugh and his acquisition by the Avalanche um, last, last week when we talked to, you know, about that, that, that Avalanche Blackhawks series. Um, but yeah, Tebow was a, a big part of that trade that went from the Avalanche to uh, to Montreal. Uh, he was a top ten pick. He was a top ten pick and uh, considered one of the, the the best goalie prospects in a long time uh, when he was coming up. Uh, but uh, uh, Quebec at the time, it wasn't even Colorado, was pretty desperate for a goalie. And uh, they brought him up, I want to say, at like 19 years old because um, they had a really good team, but they were struggling in net. And uh, they, they really tried to, you know, get him to take over at a young age. But, you know, obviously when Wah became available, uh, you know, that was kind of the, the one of the last pieces of the puzzle for them. So, uh, yeah, Tebow went up to, to Montreal and played decently up there. Um, but then, yeah, the Hawks got him. Uh, I want to say it was in exchange for Hackett, wasn't it? That I think it right. was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was a goalie swap. I think. It, I think during that season, both of them had uh, uh, kind of fallen off uh, from their previous play the year before, and so I think it was, uh, if I remember correctly, it was just sort of a, a change of scenery. Try to get both guys going, and I, both guys did improve uh, after the trade. But yeah, uh, Tebow, it took a year or two, and obviously he wasn't getting a lot of help with those Blackhawks teams. Um, but yeah, for a couple of years there, he he turned into a pretty darn solid goaltender uh, for the Hawks, despite the fact that he wasn't the biggest guy in the world. Um, they were, you know, the league was starting to trend towards the bigger goalies, and Tebow was more of the athletic, um, you know, acrobatic type. And, uh, but he, uh, yeah, he, he, he definitely was uh, a fun goalie. Um, it was yeah. definitely more entertaining watching him than watching somebody like, uh, Chris Terreri or some of the other guys they uh, had. At famous that Steve Passmore. Steve, I, I don't know. You had to root for Passmore. Little guy, you know, he, he had uh, overcome the illness and yeah, no, uh, Passmore, Passmore was definitely fun to root for, but yeah, that wasn't, uh, exactly, uh, yeah, you know, what what did he have? Was it like lead poisoning or something like that? Some kind of water. I, I, 
was he was he not able to absorb some type like iron or something iron deficiency or something? Yeah, I can't something remember. like iron deficiency or something like that. Yeah, it was yeah, something like that. I want to say at one point it had been life threatening for him, but he had um, battled back and you know made it made it back to the NHL. Um, I shouldn't say made it back. He made it to the NHL at kind of a, an older age and, uh, you know, ended up having a decent career with the Hawks and, uh, uh, you know, one or two other teams. Uh, but like, like Tebow, he was kind of an undersized guy too. So you, you, you know, he kind of had the underdog, uh, um, fan base rooting for him, but, uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, like I said, there was always fun players on those teams, uh, even if watching a lot of those games was kind of a slog just because uh, um, other teams were able to dominate on the puck for long stretches. Yeah. Um, at the time, I was living out in South Dakota, so um, some of the games that I was able to get was when they were playing Colorado. And, mm-hmm. you know, at that point, the Avalanche were – you know, one of the best teams in the league and the Hawks were one of the worst. Um, so the, the games that I got to watch regularly were, you know, the, the avalanche dominating the puck for 45 minutes of a game against the Blackhawks. Yeah. That was also the local games that I would get too. So, yeah. 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 I mean, I used to get the, the avalanche and the Minnesota games. Uh, we got both of those regional sports networks. And then, you know, at that point the Hawks weren't playing on national television all that much. But, uh, yeah, so it was a, it was a, it was a dark time, but there was always some, some light with those teams, even if it was just, a you know, a Monty scoring 40 goals or something like that. Yeah. yeah. And speaking of dark times and stuff, I guess we'll get to the preview for this, uh, week's set of games. Sure. Um, it's not a real busy week. Um, the, the Hawks will play the Islanders tomorrow night. That'll be Thursday. Uh, it's, uh, in, uh, in New York on Long Island. Uh, so it'll, it's an earlier start. It's six thirty central time. Uh, the Islanders are, I think one or two points out of the playoffs right now in the Eastern conference. Uh, obviously they lost John Tavares over the off season. So not a lot of people were expecting them to contend. Uh, but you know, they have a really good young center in Matthew Barzal who, it's kind of taken over for Tavares as the the number one center there, uh, and uh, you know he's he's helped kept them in it. Um, they got a few other pretty good uh, forwards there as well, uh, but you know the the one addition there would be uh, Barry Trotz as the head coach coming over from uh, the Washington Capitals after they had won the Stanley Cup last year. Uh, he joined the Islanders and. Uh, they've really turned around their defensive play under trots. I want to say that they given up like the top five in the top five and goals against last year. And this year they're in the, uh, or last year they were in the bottom five for goals against, and this year they're in the top five for goals against. So, uh, you know, uh, getting, a a proven coach of that caliber, uh, to come in, uh, it seems to have made a pretty big difference for that organization, uh, so they're definitely a team that the Hawks have to watch out for, and uh, that'll that'll be a tough one. Then uh, the Hawks will have a couple of days off uh, before they travel to Pittsburgh on Sunday to play the Penguins. 
Uh, we've faced the Penguins a couple of times already. I don't know. It, was it, it seems like we already played them twice. No, they played them once, but... Once? Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously, we're, we're very familiar with Sidney Crosby and uh, Evgeny Malkin at this point, um, Phil Kessel. Uh, so they're, they're a lot like the Hawks, where they're pretty top-heavy right now. Uh, relying on their stars a lot. They don't have as much depth in the lineup as they did a couple of years ago when they were, uh, you know, winning the cup, but uh, they're still a dangerous team. Uh, you know, obviously Crosby or Malkin can take over a game at any point. And, uh, but then uh, the, the Hawks will play a back to back. So it, it's kind of a tough turnaround. They, they play Sunday night in Pittsburgh at seven and then they, they fly back home and they'll have to play against the Calgary Flames at 7.30 in the UC. And uh, that's obviously a, a tough game uh, with the Flames currently leading the Pacific. Uh, they've been uh, one of the... I don't know if it's a huge surprise uh, given that the Pacific isn't the, the greatest uh, division in the, in the league. But uh, the the Flames have played really, really well. Um, so I, I don't know that it's a shock that they're in playoff position, but uh, the strength at which they've played, they've they've really um, they're they're a pretty tough defensive squad. Even though uh, Mike Smith, their goaltender, hasn't had the greatest season, uh, I think that's one spot where they might look to improve at the trade deadline. But uh, they got a lot of good forwards, obviously, Johnny Gaudreau, um, Sean Monahan, And then uh, they had made a trade over the offseason with the Hurricanes. Um, uh, They had traded away Dougie Hamilton and uh, got back, um, geez, what's it, uh, Elias Lindholm, who it kind of struggled a little bit with the Hurricanes. Uh, He had kind of settled in as a second-line guy for the Hurricanes, and it'd been kind of a disappointment as a, a top 10 pick for them. But with the flames, he seems to have flourished a little bit. Uh, he's kind of playing on their, their first line and uh, he really strengthened uh, that their output there and, yeah, and um, the depth. Yeah. And Sean Monahan just kills the Blackhawks. Yeah. He to yeah. Every time play him, so. yeah. So that, that's a tough, that's a tough matchup for the Hawks. So, I mean, they're, they're, they're playing three pretty good teams uh, or at least three dangerous teams. Um, the, the penguins uh, got off to a bit of a slow start, but they, they've turned it around of late. Uh, you know, so they're, they're in playoff position right now and the flames are obviously uh, in playoff position. Uh, they're actually tied for first in the Western conference right now. Uh, so that's, that's pretty tough. And then the Islanders, even though they're a point out of the playoffs, they have a couple of games in hand and, uh, you know, obviously are battling for that position. So that it's a really tough three game stretch for the Hawks. Yep. And I guess we'll just see, I mean, they've been playing better late, so, you know, yeah. Yeah. And it happens. So, you know, Colin Delia has been playing really, really well. So, you know, at this point, you know, it wouldn't be shocking to see, you know, the Hawks sneak a goalie win. Uh, in one of these games, even if they get outplayed, um, it's not out of the realm of possibility at this point with the way Delhi has been playing. So, yeah, well, I guess that's good note to end it on. Um, yeah. As always, I'm STH eighty five on Twitter and Michael. 
MJ underscore Ernst. Yep, and of course you can subscribe to the Pat podcast on iTunes. Just look for the emergency goalies, and it'll come up. And uh, until then, uh, thanks for listening.